Welcome to the Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. When we heed the call and say yes to live from the truth of our hearts, we accept the invitation to deeply relax, trust, and let go of fear, control, struggle, suffering, and separation. Now, here is your host, Sandy Goldstone. Hello, lovelies. Welcome to this week's episode of Sounds of the Heart. As your host, I am delighted to have your beautiful presence and heart's vibration join with mine. As we listen, share, and explore in this hour together, I invite us all to join together as one conscious global heart as we take a deep breath in and relax out with a sound. Ah, to gently ground our being in calm stillness, meeting ourselves in love, as love, what we always are now. Ah, and it is so wonderful to feel our hearts become part of the one unified field of love through the breath. Thank you for joining me again today, wherever you are right now on the planet, whatever time it is for you. Know that you are greatly welcomed and your presence is celebrated. Now it gives me great delight to welcome our guest, Paul Sterling, to the Sounds of the Heart family. Paul Sterling is an international public speaker, author, and relationship coach. He is the developer of a wide array of relationship and communication tools for couples and individuals, including the Magic Relationship Method, the From Feeling Ignored to Being Adored System, and the Amazon bestseller, Argue Less, Love More. For over 20 years, Paul has helped couples who are stuck in a downward spiral turn their relationships around. Paul's communication system makes sure that both people feel heard, understood, and valued. He studied extensively with the founder of Nonviolent Communication, is certified in Neuroassociative Communication by Tony Robbins, and is a Master Practitioner of Neurolinguistics Programming, and is a Certified Tantra Educator. When he is not traveling around the world and teaching, Paul enjoys whitewater kayaking in Colorado and learning how to surf in Hawaii. His website is www.magicrelationship.com. Welcome, Paul, to the Sounds of the Heart Global Community. It's wonderful to have you as a guest today. It's amazing. And when technology works, I love it. I love that I'm talking to you from Vermont and you're in Australia and people are listening in from all around the world and your um, amazing message gets to reach so many different places in the globe. I think that is so fantastic. 
Thank you. Thank you. And so we've, I've chosen to um, call our discussion today Choosing the Language of Love to Communicate because if there isn't a time like now that we need to choose the language of love to communicate, um, it, it seems very apparent to me that we need to find another way through to connecting our hearts and our minds and ourselves with each other. So it is often said that we teach others what we most need to learn ourselves. So how true is this statement for you in choosing to be a relationship coach? Oh, I am the poster boy for that statement. I, uh, you look in the for that. <laughs> One divorce, three broken engagements. It was either become a monk or a master. Um, and I couldn't understand. It was hammering away at my self-esteem. I would be in these great relationships, and then they would spiral into hell, ending up in divorce or separation. And I, I, and I was successful in other areas of my life, and I couldn't understand what was going wrong here. Mm. And finally, I started studying, um, originally like with Tony Robbins, I studied with him. And then at one point, Tony, after I left his organization, he hired me to come back and work with his inner circle to teach them about systems. And I started to study systems, and what I started to discover is that relationships really are a system. And what we tend to do is blame each other rather than look at how to improve the system. And so I have sort of a systemic approach to looking at this and it really turned it around. But yes, that that's a great question. And yes, I definitely have been through almost every possible relationship mistake and upset. And I think that's what makes me a, a really great coach because I can connect and relate to almost anything going on with somebody. Mm-hmm. So what role has the work of Dr. Marshall Rosenberg played in the facilitation of writing your book, Argue Less, Love More? It, Marshall was, there's been a bunch of different people that I consider key turning points, like life-changing, transformational, impact my day, I mean, my life every day. Marshall was one of them. Tony mm-hmm. Robbins one of them, Marshall Thurber was one of them, but Marshall Rosenberg's work on nonviolent communication was a turning point for me, and I started to learn, like, if you want to be successful, you learn how to communicate with others. If you want to be happy, you learn how to communicate with yourself, and the key is having tools that help you do it, you know, because people say, well, the problem is we're not communicating. No. That's not the problem. Actually, sometimes the problem is you are communicating because the way you're communicating is making things worse and worse. Mm. And if you don't communicate, if you don't have the right tools, talking more often makes things worse. So Marshall was a turning point for me. I started to see, you know, there's an expression on it. You probably heard it. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. Yeah. Well, it is what you say. They're, they only have that half right. So it is what you say. It's how you say it. It's also what you hear and how you hear it. Mm. And gave me some tools to be able to translate into, like I called it the language of love. And it fits right in with what you teach and what you're all about. Because it's a language of feelings, needs, requests, rather than judgments and demands and um 
your opinions. And it, it's a connecting empathetic language where you, the essence of it to me is learning how to enter somebody else's world so completely that they feel heard, understood, and valued. And you go, of course, no wonder they feel the way they do because look at their life. Yeah, yeah. So what inspired you to write Argue Less, Love More? Was it because of your own experiences and what you were learning through that you wanted to share with others and show them that there was it was possible and that our heart is always open to receiving that possibility of having a, a deep, loving, intimate, harmonious connection with another being? Well, first place, I, I, there's more people that want to work with me than I can work with. So I needed a way of leveraging, a way of getting it out to people. Mm. The and I started to see patterns. What Marshall did with nonviolent communication is he gave you four steps. Like, here's what to do to communicate when things are working. And what I wanted to do is tell you what to avoid doing. Because I don't know about you. I do, I guess, probably. You don't enjoy talking to somebody who's triggered and upset and in reaction. And I, I don't. And I don't like being in reaction or triggered. And what happened is I started to look and go, wow, there's certain habits and patterns that we have that if we say these words or say these in this certain way, we're going to trigger the person we're with. Unless they're the Dalai Lama or Mahatma Gandhi, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to upset, piss them off. And they're listening switch. There's a listening switch. And that listening switch goes off. Click. They're gone. They can see your mouth move, they hear you mumbling, but they're basically out of the conversation. So I wrote the book because I wanted to be able to help people identify and avoid these five mistakes without having to avoid the issues or the topics they needed to talk about. Mm. So, so you're actually encouraging us to become consciously aware of what type of relationship we want to create and from the space within ourselves where we want to create from. Yeah, and there's a term I use, and, and people use it a different way than I use it. I, I got my twist on it, and it's watch your language. I, I had 18 years as a commercial fisherman, so it's not about cursing or not cursing. I could care less. But it's watching the impact your language had. Be consciously aware. What's the impact? What do I want my partner to hear? Rather than I said it right, there's this expression that the doctor comes out of the operating room and they say, doctor, how was the operation? The doctor said, the operation was great, but the patient died. Now, what does that have to do with communication? A lot of times we think we said it right, they just heard it wrong. So mm. if you transform your communication, be responsible not just for what you said, but how they heard it. And be committed to the outcome that they hear it in the way you want them to hear it. And willing to do it over and over again until you get that connection. And sometimes we have to chunk it down. I was working in prison, and I, I was working with these inmates. I worked with max, minimum to maximum security, the men's side, the women's side. I did it for eight years, went in and volunteered. And 
finally I got too busy. I, I haven't done that in a while, but that was such a heart opening thing. Anyway, sometimes I had to get them to just do a single sentence and try to repeat it back so that it didn't get all of this old stuff wrapped up in there. It's so interesting to watch what happens in communication. I say one thing, you hear something else. Mm. Mm. Yes, and we're, we're hearing from, you know, the stories that we carry in our heads about who we think we are based on our experiences. And then we, you know, um, build our beliefs and assumptions and attitudes around that. And um, often <laughs> I, I feel that, you know, most people are still having a conversation with mummy and daddy <laughs> and and wanting that that um, that protection and, and uh, unconditional uh, nurturing and, and, you know, it's not realistic. It's, it's kind of still based in that um, ch- child fantasy of um, the all, you know, the being yeah. still breastfed, so to speak. It, well, it, see, that, I talk about that in the opening of our workshop. I always, you know, ask people, how many of you had your hearts broken? They're like, oh, yeah. And then the second thing is, is I go in and I say, there's two different paradigms of relationship. One is the Disney paradigm, which is happily ever after. You meet Prince Charming or Cinderella or this ideal person that's, perfect and you live happily ever after that's not my experience the mm-hmm. other paradigm is sort of the um, relationships as a hero's journey and see the thing is in a hero's journey upsets and, and dead ends and all of this stuff is just part of the adventure of being in a relationship where if you're in the happily ever after belief set, oh my God, something's wrong. This is the end of the relationship. We're having an argument. We shouldn't because he's Prince Charming and I'm Cinderella. So what I want to do is is make it more real and then give people the tools so that they can move through upsets, understanding, misunderstandings um, with compassion and elegant and gentle yes gentle is so important so you know what what are the what would you say because your book speaks about you know five major you know mistakes or incorrect ways of communicating that create barriers for intimacy and blocks to being felt um, heard and understood and valued. So can you share those with us? I can. I'm going to give you, like, I'm going to do a little lead-in to them. Two things. Okay. One is there's three things that are running and wrecking most people's relationships, and they don't know it because the three things are invisible. There are habits, patterns, and old beliefs. And what I'm going to talk about is there's these five communication patterns and I don't know you may not be and I'm definitely not I don't go to many scary movies but no. I've been enough that um, it's like picture the scene there's thunder and lightning outside and the electricity goes out in the house 
And the hero or the heroine says, oh, I'm going to go down in the basement because there are candles down there. And what's the crowd do? They all yell out, don't go down in the basement. Why? Because you know it's not going to do well. It's not going to turn out well. It's there are monsters down in the basement. So what I'm going to do is describe these five monsters. I've watched them from over 20 years of coaching couples. When somebody says one of these... It's like my brain goes, don't go down in the basement and don't say that. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense, Sandy? Yeah, yeah. So what I'll do is I'll go through them quickly and then come back and we can answer questions so that people just get an idea of what they are. So number one, and I'll give you what not to do and what to do because if you only get half the formula, it's not as helpful. So number one is case building. That's where anything you say can and will be used against you in the bedroom, the bathroom. (laughs) As a court of law. (laughs) In front of friends, in in all sorts of embarrassing moments. And it's normally made to make you feel bad, stupid, wrong, BSW. And when BSW happens, bad, stupid, wrong, the listening switch goes off, especially for the masculine. So you can either be building a case against somebody or building a connection with them. That's, so that's monster number one in case building. And sometimes we do it with the best of intentions. Like someone could be smoking and we, it's breaking our heart or they're drinking or they're doing drugs or they're behaving in a way that's really destructive. And you want to just let them know and you're going to build this big ass case against why they should change. And what you end up with is resistment, resistance, resentment, and regret. You don't get people connected. So case building, number one. Any questions on that, Sandy? Uh, well, uh, why is it that we kind of go to that um, so easily? Because it, it is, it's like, it. But in some ways, I feel that sometimes we are fighting for closeness, but we're fighting in the wrong way. So we don't know how to get our needs met. So we have these kind of tantrums and we go, listen to me. And if you didn't do this and if you weren't like that and, you know, we we um, we dictate and we dominate because we we're scared that we're not going to get heard. And because there's a fear within us, I feel that that's, we don't value what it is that we are saying or we're afraid that it's not of value. How would you speak to that? Well, what I want to do, because I'm looking at the time and I realize we have a limited time, so I want to tell people, if you, or you can tell them, how to get the book so if they don't get the, all the information they want, they can at least go and get it from Amazon or whatever. And then I yes, will well, that, well, this would be a good time for um, us to just take this, you know, take this opportunity to let people know how they can access your resources, what's available if they purchase your book and that kind of thing. That would be great. All right. So I'll just, I'll be brief because I want to give them as much content as possible. So magicrelationship.com forward slash book bonus and what I did is I put together some videos and a webinar and 
a downloadable PDF that, you know, a relationship saver that goes up on your refrigerator. And what it is, is it's all around the Argue Less, Love More book that's on Amazon. So they end up getting the book. They can either spend $9.97 US for the paperback or $2.99 for the um, Kindle version. And I do personalized private coaching and stuff like that, but I'm, they can track me down if they want to. I want to make sure that this is 99% content and they, if they're excited about working with me, they can either get a hold of you or they can track me down and see if I'm available. So um, that's about all I have to say about that. You want to dive back in on mistake number two or you want to ask me that question again? Ah, no, we can go to, do you feel that number one is being responded to or do you feel that it can be responded to by looking at number two? Yeah, and like I said, I want to introduce people to it and they can go, when they go get the book bonus, there's videos that will go more in depth and um, the book goes more in depth. So Mm. number two, and these all are interwoven with each other. Number two is storytelling. And what storytelling is, is the mind is a meaning-making machine. And I don't know exactly where I heard that. I think I heard that in the forum or a landmark workshop. And it just makes sense. We make up stories. Say that you come home late. Your lover, depending on what mood they're in, might have made up a story that, oh, she's having an affair, this, she doesn't love me anymore. All of these stories, or we can make, we make up stories. Something happens, we make up stories. And then what happens is we believe the stories and act as if they're true. So we Mm -hmm. can be storytelling or we can be story busting. And one of the keys, I want to give people a key on each one of these is to say, honey, I'm telling myself the story that when you came home late, you don't love me anymore or something like that. And you tell your story and what happens is it creates an opening between you and the story. So you're not as committed. Rather than when they walk in the door, you, you just jump on them and say, you don't love me anymore. You hate me. You're having an affair. It's like, you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so you're, getting, you're, getting, you're creating space to um, see what's going on within you in the first place and looking at your own doubts and fears and insecurities that are arising um, and then you're sharing it with, with your partner or whoever you're having that interaction with so they can so they can go, yes, this is correct or no, this isn't and um, can kind of dispel the insanity that's taking place in the moment. Absolutely. And one of the keys, because there's three main phases in, in a, when I'm working with couples, I help them. Number one phase is to... Um, Heal the past. Number two is to connect and be present. Number three is to create possibilities for the future. And in that first phase of healing the past, what this book fits in that first phase because you want to stop doing damage. Now, if mm. you whack somebody with a hammer and you go, well, that was not, in- I didn't mean to whack you with the hammer, you still have to deal with it. You, you know, and each time we use these communication mistakes, it's like whacking your partner with a hammer. So wouldn't it be good to just stop doing damage? You'll have less yes. to heal. So story, yes. storytelling is, is one, and then 
if we instead we start busting our stories and go, oh, we share those stories and share them without the intent of being um, right and making our partner wrong. Mm -hmm. So you're not telling it from a place of accusation or judgment or criticism or blame. It's like, if you hadn't done this, then I wouldn't be thinking this right now. It's not coming from that place. It's taking responsibility and feeling our own feelings of not being able to stay present with those feelings of not feeling loved or cherished or adored um, or whatever is, is being um activated in the moment and just taking responsibility and being brave and courageous to share that with with your partner or who you're communicating with at that time yeah being powerfully vulnerable that's a, a, a paradigm shifter for people mm-hmm. number three before i think we're going to sneak this in before the break is message assuming and there's two parts of it message assuming Normally, people can only absorb about 40 words at a time. And so what we want to do is actually talk in small chunks. And what I would do is I, if it was a really important emotional conversation, I might go, Sandy, can you tell me what you heard me say? Oh, you know, I might say, will you take out the trash and go and we get a little upset. I go, wow, what did you hear? And you said, well, I heard you never that I never help around the kitchen and you are the only one who does stuff and you don't appreciate me. And I'm like, wow, mm. you heard that? No wonder you're upset. Let me try it differently. Or I mm-hmm. think to like, that's not what I said. You never listened to me right. That just creates distance. If I go, wow, let me try again. Honey, I would really love it if you would take out the trash because then we can go cuddle on the couch after dinner and watch a movie. Mm. So, and the other side is when I'm listening, I become a responsible listener. I might, you know, if you start talking longer than I can hold on to, I might go, wow, Sandy, can I take a quick break here? Let, let me feedback what I think I heard. Did I get you right? I need to get it in little chunks. Would that be okay? Mm, mm. Well, that's yes, message assuming. Mm. That that sounds so much um, softer and gentler to come from that place and space of consideration and and thoughtful awareness. And so, how important is it to breathe? It's critical because what we're trying to do is we think that. The other person is making us feel this way or making us say this. And the the thing that happens when you stop and take a breath, you get to a place where you might have a choice, where you actually start to become conscious and move out of reaction and into choice and go, wow, how do I want to react right now? So I, I know we're about to take a break. When they come back after the break, we'll talk about cup stuffing and the fatal F's. So they definitely want to come back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is an opportunity for us to just kind of breathe and just feel what um, has been shared, that Paul's shared with us, um, that is so insightful and practical for how we can make changes to 
have greater um, compassion and love for ourselves and each other in our communication. So it's time for us to take a short break now, lovelies. This is Sandy Goldstone and my guest is the delightful Paul Sterling. And you are listening to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone on Voice America, 7th Wave Channel. Stay tuned and we'll be back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Sandy Goldstone wants to help you start your true self journey. Sandy works with all issues and ages for individuals, couples, and groups. She is a spiritual teacher and holistic counselor of the Heart's Way in Perth, Australia. It's time to gift yourself with knowing your own lightness of being, beauty, and truth. You can feel relaxed, loving, wise, joyful, and peaceful, whatever your experiences have been or what challenges you are currently facing. Are you ready? Let's do it. Say yes and call or contact Sandy Goldstone in Australia on 011-61420-399-287 or reach out to her on Facebook at Sandy Grace Goldstone and start your true self journey. Right now, Sandy is offering a special gift. Mention the radio show, Sounds of the Heart, and receive a 40% discount on each of your first two 90-minute Skype sessions. That's just $99 to start your true self journey with Sandy Goldstone. For more information or to receive this special offer, email soundsoftheheart at hotmail.com. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Sounds of the Heart. To find out more about our program, visit Sandy's website at soundsoftheheart.com.au. Again, that's soundsoftheheart.com.au. Now, back to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. And we are back, lovelies, with Sounds of the Heart on the 7th Wave channel of Voice America. And I'm your host, Sandy Goldstone, talking with my delightful guest, Paul Sterling. And as we went to the break, Paul, we were looking at the first three things of not to do and in if we want to create a loving connection um, with our partners and with other individuals. So what is the fourth and fifth one? Well, the fourth one is an interesting one, and hopefully our listeners have a cup somewhere that they can look at. It's called cup stuffing. And what cup Mm. stuffing is when a cup is, and and let me interact with you on this one, Sandy. If my, if, well, if there's a cup in front of you and it's full, can you fit more in it? No, it's going to spill over. What if you are really sweet and gentle? Hmm. Interesting question. Uh the answer, though, I'm, I'm, I know I gave you a leading question. If the answer is still no, um, and what if you yell at it? Still no. So what the thing is, what's the only way to get more in the cup? Empty it. Yeah. And so if somebody's emotional cup is full, um, what we need to do is help empty it or let them empty it. So give, I'll give you an example so it's not in the abstract. You're driving home, you get a flat tire. 
You fix a tire, you get a speeding ticket. You walk in the door and your partner goes, Sandy, I want to talk to you about your spending habits. What chance chance do they have of getting your attention and having a real conversation? Uh, Just by that topic alone, they have my immediate attention. But but yes, one would feel quite overwhelmed, like would not want to be coming home and having a real serious conversation, would just want to relax and just unwind and just be, um, yeah, recover. Because your emotional cup is full. And see, Mm. what I teach couples is how to set your partner up and set yourself up to win. We often set them up to lose, but we rarely set them up to win. So if you have an important conversation and your partner is busy, like Natalie, my partner, and I, we're both you know, I'm a relationship coach. She's a TBI coach, traumatic brain injury coach. And so we're both busy and I walk in the other room and like at some point, I, I admittedly believe that the world rotates around me and I should be able to interrupt every conversation. Now, I say that facetiously. Yes. But I'll get in there and she's focused and, she, and I'll, I'll want maybe just even a 30 seconds of her attention and she'll just go cut full. And I like... Got it. So ah. I'm not going to interrupt her. And normally what happens is people, if they don't have the tool, they go, leave me alone. What an ass. You Can't you see I'm busy? You know, all of this other stuff comes out that you, you've got to do work later to repair it. But if you just go cut full, I'll talk to you in 10 minutes. Yes, because the judgment is is that you've done this on purpose and you don't respect my space and blah de blah de blah de blah. Um, because that's the story that the mind is saying in the moment, and and also it's learning to stop coming from that position of I'm right and my needs are more important, and you know that demand and supply thing. So those are things that you're saying are really unhelpful, and that is such a great analogy and such a great um just kind of a time out word to use cup fill because it's it's really i can really embody the sense of that emotionally it's just like cup full and it's got nothing to do with you but i need to take care of it and um so i can come back and connect with you in a in a loving and responsive and present way I mean, you think about it right now, you and I are doing a radio interview on opposite sides of the world. If she came in and wanted to do a conversation with me right now, it would be honey cup full. I'll be with you in 20 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. Rather than go away, leave me alone, can't you see? You know, which carries all that judgment. What I'm trying to do is teach people not in the right and wrong world, but what's effective, what works, and what does damage so we're either doing damage or we're we're bridging the gap between us Mm. Mm. Um, and so we want to have tools that help us bridge the gap and I'll tell you a quick tool story I was driving um, actually from in Colorado to go and teach in prison and I had bacon that morning and some bacon got stuck in my teeth and it was like driving me crazy while I'm driving. So like for 15 minutes, my tongue was trying to push it out of my teeth. And you ever have one of those things that just irritates the hell out of you? 
Yep. So then I tried a business card in there because I couldn't get, and then the business card got wet and that got stuck in my teeth and it got even worse and worse. And the more I tried, <laughs> because I was using the wrong what? The wrong tool. Yeah. So as soon as I pull, I just said, I got to stop. This is driving me crazy. It's really stupid. I pulled over. I found a toothpick in my car. It took me about five seconds. Boom. Got it right out. Because I was using the right tool. When you use the right communication tool, it makes things elegant and easy and quick. If you use the wrong tool, it makes things worse. Mm. People say communication, you know, we just need more communication. I'm like, no, maybe you don't. You need the right tools. So let's dive into tool number five or mistake number five, which is called the fatal F's also known as maleitis or masculinitis. And, and I say this because it's not just a male gender problem. Women have this too, especially with people that are, have kids. And what it is, is if the feminine comes to the masculine in pain, the masculine hears it as it's either my fault or my responsibility, and I need to fix it. The feminine rarely wants to be fixed. The masculine goes there by default. So it ends up like, so the fatal Fs are fix, fight, and flee. So first, our partner comes to us in pain and goes, you know, I work with a coworker. They give me all their work. They get all the credit. It really sucks. And you go, well, honey, did you do this? Did you try this? Why don't you try this? I've got mm. six different good ideas. What does she want? She wants empathy and understanding. What does she get? 16 good ideas. Mm-hmm. So later she forgets that they had this conversation. She gets back. She goes, God, that coworker is driving me crazy. And he goes, well, did you try what I said? No. They end up in a fight because he doesn't feel respected. And, it, and you could do this, a mother with her kids or with their parents. You know, it, anybody can do it. It's our masculine gene is to fix things. And then if we don't, if someone doesn't take our advice, we feel disrespected, which is actually a thought, but we get frustrated. Um, And then, say, a week later, so this is like week three, they come back, say, wow, that coworker's driving me crazy. And then they don't understand it when their partner gets up and walks out of the room. Because they Mm -hmm. physically or emotionally flee. So first try to fix you, then fight with you and then flee from you either physically or just emotionally we're gone mm-hmm. yes well the the thing the inference there is a i know better than you because of the, coming from that place of superiority that fixing thing is and because it's implying that you're stupid that or somehow it's your fault with what's happening and if you if you just did what I, you know, suggested for you to do, then this would, wouldn't be an issue. And sometimes it's like you feel that the other person you're communicating with is not interested in listening to your perspective or just having you share that experience with them. So, Sandy, I love what you just said because what you just did is made the invisible visible. You just told me your story about what it means. Your mind was a meaning-making machine, and you told me your story 
about what it means when somebody tries to fix. Do you, you see how that works? Yeah. And a lot of people have that story. Now, partly that story can be accurate. There's another story, which is a lot of times people get rewarded for trying to fix. So they think it's their way to contribute. So it's there is that up, down, power over, I'm smarter than you. But there's also that beautiful thing of not wanting your partner to suffer and you want to contribute. Mm. So all of those things... But here's the underlying thing. This is a writer down, downer. So pick up your pen, write this thing down, everybody. When your partner comes to you in pain, there's a key question, a single question that will help you avoid so many upsets. You just go, honey, do you want ideas or do you want empathy? Mm. That, do you want ideas or do you want empathy? And a lot of times my beloved will say, Give me the empathy first and then the ideas. Because mm. I'm an ideas guy. That's what I, I mean, how I figured out, wrote the book and do all of the things I do. I love solving problems. I was a corporate consultant for years, traveled around the world, literally um, working with corporations and government and businesses, helping them solve problems. So it's where I think I can contribute and but I had to train myself to ask that question. Do you want empathy or do you want my brilliant ideas? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're really um, taking the time to check in and see what you can offer is actually going to be helpful in the response to what's been shared. Yeah, because see, the other thing, you'll see how these are all interwoven with each other. But if you're... If you've got a story going on in your head and your cup is full, there's no room for my good ideas. I need to empty your cup first before I try to share anything with you. And part of the way to do that is to listen to you and let you vent and let you fully express yourself so that by the time I offer an idea, you feel heard, understood, and value. And that, that's another writer downer, by the way, for people. Anybody who talks to you, what they're wanting is those three magical keys. They want to be heard, understood, and valued. Mm. So that's those are the five things: case building, storytelling, message assuming, cup stuffing, and the fatal Fs. And I am making this number up because I wouldn't ever know how to measure it. But I would guess that about 70 to 80% of people's upsets come from making one of those five mistakes or all five of them. And you, yes. start, you started this conversation by asking me if it's about teaching what you need to know. And I, and I said, yeah, I am still the poster boy. And I, you know, some people say I only make, you know, a mistake once. And it's like, no. I made the mistake so many times I recognized the pattern and wrote a book about it. So, mm. Mm. so that's the essence of the book. And again, people can get the book, Argue Less, Love More on Amazon. If they want the bonuses, they go to magicrelationship.com forward slash book bonus. Mm-hmm. And I talk a little bit more about communication in general because 
in relationships, when, when communication falls apart, so does the relationship. And yes, and it doesn't matter what relationship that is. Right. That, and you asked that before we got on the air, you know, does, does this work with people in all walks of life? Absolutely. You, you can be in a relationship. It works amazing with a loving partner, but it also works with your kids. It works with your parents. It works with your coworkers. It works exceptionally well with upset customers or clients. Because what it is, is learning how to enter somebody else's world so completely that, again, I, they feel heard, understood, and valued. And what stops people from doing this, because I've taught this around, around the country a lot and around the world. We taught it like five times the last time we were in Hawaii. Um, it, what stops people from hearing, understanding, and valuing is they're afraid that understanding equals agreement. And I'm afraid mm-hmm. that if I understand you, then you're going to think I agree with you, and I, I don't. And I'll give mm-hmm. you an example of this. I, um, I had a, a nightmare one time with an ex-fiancé. I woke up, I had a dream that she had had an affair. Now, she didn't, and it, but I still had the physiological reaction that she had done that. And I, I leaned over and said, man, I just had a dream that you had an affair. And she could have moved into defending and, say, and not understanding me and saying, that's not true, I don't agree, and all the rest of that. And what it would have done is create a lot of resistance, and it would have been really painful. But instead... She was able to, you know, the hear, understood, and value. She just entered my world and go, wow, that must have been really scary and painful. And I'll bet you're needing some reassurance and love right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's carrying on that, um, that old adage of, you know, walk a mile in someone else's shoes so you can actually have a sense of, you know, to embody and be present to what the experience is from their eyes and their perspective. Yeah, and most people, they get stuck in their story and go, well, no, that's a, you shouldn't have that painful story in your head. You shouldn't have had that dream. You know, we try to, I, I come up with this term called logicalize. We try to logicalize or use logic to stop people from having their emotions. And what message we send them is you shouldn't feel the way you feel. Yeah, that yeah. Really feels good. Yeah. Well, otherwise, you know, the partner could take it as an insult and go, oh, you know, don't you know that I love you and all this kind of stuff. It, it, can, it can go anyway. The mind can take us in a many, many ways. It can, fear will put on many, many hats to create, um, you know, confusion and and to feel that our hearts and our minds and our bodies aren't able to be compassionate and vulnerable and open and honest in our communication, which is so lovely that you've, um, you know, shared this book with us and put this writing out for us to read and have access to because it's a, it's a beautiful book because it's a workbook. It's something that we can actually work with and have, you know, answers and questions and write in 
So it's really an interactive and you get to embody and feel the changes within ourselves as we work through those those five um, mistakes and, and how we can rectify them and learn to become more aware and conscious of what our own drives and mechanisms are in creating distortion and um, disconnect within our partnerships when we don't want to. I mean, it's not like a conscious thing. We don't go out of our way to just go, oh, I'm going to go and stuff this relationship up and I'm going to create harm and damage here. We don't do it consciously. But when we find ourselves in that place, we need to see what's harming and what's actually helpful and to take that time and commitment to ask ourselves those deeper questions. Yeah, it's, it's like coming from your purpose and, well, there's four different ways to play the game of relationships. Now, I don't want to sound like I am the new Cosmo quick fix guy with the four ways to play a game and a manipulation, but it's an important way to think about. There's... I play racquetball, and at one point, I was playing racquetball, and the score was, I was losing, you play racquetball till 15 points, and I had three, and my partner had, I think, 13. So, all I, all they had to get was two points, and I had to get, like, 13 points. And I was playing, and I said, oh, I'll just, you know, hit a couple of balls, I'll lose a game, and then we'll start a new one, and I'll win the next game. And it, I, something shifted in me, and I said, no, I'm going to play to win because I was playing not to lose. And in relationships, there's four ways to play it. We can play to win, which is not beating our partner or manipulating our partner, but it's playing with the intent of focusing on purpose and connection and vision and values. We're driven towards something. Mm. Playing not to lose, which is where we're trying to – we're playing – Pro, I mean, we're playing reactive, we're protecting, we're trying not to look bad. We're, there's that whole thing. So playing to win, we're going for having the amazing, compassionate, loving relationship. Playing not to lose, we're in a protective, reactive thing. Playing to lose, it's like, screw it. I'm going to destroy, you know, he had an affair, I'm having an affair. It's like, we're going, we're going to take this baby down and destroy it. And then, yep. And you start, as you use this metaphor, I'll bet you can look around and see people that do all four and have great examples of them. And I'll tell you, again, I've done all four because I haven't told you number four yet. Number four, most people go, yeah, that's what I want. It's called playing for fun. And mm -hmm. I'm not and it stops being fun. But the problem with that one they're good and bad of each of these, by the way. The problem with playing just for fun is there's no commitment there. And sometimes relationships aren't fun. Sometimes they're painful and you, you're working to have a breakthrough and it's a challenge. And so look at how are you playing your relationship. Are you playing to win and have the relationship of your dreams. And if you're playing to win, you need to have the right tools and training and commitment because most people dabble in relationships but want mastery results. It's like the other day um, we ate out in Stowe, Vermont, this beautiful New England town, and got a chocolate souffle. Now, I could have all of the same ingredients that that chef had 
And my souffle would not come out anywhere near what he did because he is a master and I'm a dabbler when it comes to cooking. Mm. So if you want a great relationship, you have to master it. You have to like take workshops and read books and have a constant practice, whether it's meditation and yoga and communication. But it's a long, it's a lifelong journey of mastery. It's a direction you're headed in. And Sandy, that's what you've tended to do is to attract masters around you and interview them and become one yourself in the world of compassionate communication and making a loving difference. Oh, thank you for that, Paul. <laughs> that's lovely feedback. Um, well, I'm, I'm here to be of service and, and really my heart's desire is for people to really see the love and the joy and the peace and the delight that we all are and that we can share our gifts and, um, you know, that know that there's space for everything and everyone. And because I, I feel sometimes we get into relationship struggles when we feel that there isn't enough and um, we aren't enough and somehow the other has to fill us up because our cup feels empty and um, but not empty from a from a responsible and accountable place but from a place of it's your responsibility to fill me up for with my you know to fill my um, my doubts my fears and insecurities and make me feel better where it's where our own responsibility is um, to be responsible for our own happiness and to not have that be responsible for another to have to carry that. Because when we love, we we want to be um, to not do harm. That that's our our true um, drive and and nature is to not want to do harm, to be kind and gentle and peaceful and harmonious. Um, but when we get lost in this idea of thinking that we have to fight and defend, and we get lost in that bad, stupid, and wrong thinking we create experiences where we don't feel heard understood and valued so thank you thank you so much Paul for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your insight and being so vulnerable and real and sharing this so we have such a tangible way for us to get the message here so thank you lovelies for your heart's loving presence and for sharing in this hour's exploration with Paul and his book argue less, love more. Remembering that when we stay present, connected to our heart's wisdom, open and honest in our vulnerability, taking responsibility and being accountable for our thoughts, feelings and actions, we discover that real and intimate connection becomes not only possible but easy as we choose the language of love to communicate our true nature that is loving compassionate, peaceful, generous, understanding, forgiving, joyful, and kind. Till our hearts join together as one again next week, I send you much love and blessings from my heart to yours. May your week be overflowing with all that you are always now. Love, joy, and peace. I love you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Sounds of the Heart. Sandy Goldstone invites you to join her again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Connect to your own divine nature in the coming week and explore within.